Evolution of the Hurricane Hi and welcome to the A&J PEI Treasures E. Jean Simpson author blog post and podcast. I'm your host Jean coming to you from the beautiful province of Prince Edward Island, Canada. Oh, thank you. The blog post and podcast is an opinion piece and only reflects this author's opinion and not that of any other entity. I hold no designations in politics, economics, or medicine. I'm retired from the mental health field. I am a humanitarian and speak from that viewpoint only. Whether you agree with me or not, at least I hope it makes you think. This week I look at the evolution of the hurricane. If you want to find out more, then stay tuned. We are currently sitting in an age where they are announcing Hurricane Lee, which has alternated between various grades and watches and warnings. There were tons of different models on computers of it, yet with all the models, we cannot pin down nature. It's still a developing story. We get different models. All the models cannot tell them how bad it will be when it hits, and we can still only go with computer models. This just goes to prove that nature is not as predictable as we think it is. Neither are a lot of things in life. Some things we think we know could have deeper meaning than we think. Delving further into some well-used terms reveals some interesting information from the eye of the hurricane. Of course, the weather is not the only storm, and ports in the storm are sometimes hard to find. We are faced with choices that we have to make every day. Do we speak out? Do we keep the status quo? What should we choose to support or not support? For this concept, I looked at something that grabbed my attention with regard to media. The term is cancel culture, and I got a link in my podcast write-up and in my blog post to that. The interesting factor, according to Wikipedia, is the term cancel culture is predominantly used when the responses are to right-wing actions or speech, but is rare when the responses are to left-wing actions or speech. Also, the expression cancel culture came into circulation in the late 2010s and early 2020s, and it has mostly negative connotations, often used polemically by self-described advocates for free speech and against censorship. So given these two quotes, is cancel culture something that is being used to punish people for having views towards tolerance by manipulating people into thinking that they are being negative toward the right wing? Is it an attempt to silence people from expressing views supporting the minority group? More interestingly, there is another term that isn't used as much. This term is call-out culture, which seems to be more in tune with another concept that I'm familiar with, which is karma. Karma, at least in the simplest form, is essentially logical consequences for actions. This quick definition is a bit of an oversimplification. However, this article will give more info for those who want to learn more on the concept. I've got to link to my podcast right up in my blog post or an article. For example, as the article states, additionally, the Black Lives matter movement, which seeks to highlight inequalities, racism, and discrimination in the black community, repeatedly called out black men being killed by police. And I got a link in my podcast right up in my blog post to the article. So it seems that there is a general view of words that is harder to tease apart than one might think. When it comes to terms, the more you know, the easier it is to decide things, or is it? Information is easily made misleading. Is it right to cancel people in the, is the next idea. 
A study by Norris also mentions that the spiral of silence theory may be a contributing factor as to why people are hesitant to voice their own minority views on social media sites in fear that their view and opinions, specifically political opinions, will be chastised because their view violates the majority group's norms and understanding. So it appears at first glance that we may be supporting the status quo by being afraid of cancel culture. Is it a media manipulation? Is it an important concept that we should be wary of? The one thing I do know is that there is no agreement on it. My take on the concept is that people should say what they think and feel. They need to understand that there is nothing you can say that may not have consequences. The most difficult consequences seem to be toward minority groups. It seems that with most statements, I see comments going either direction. On almost any post, I find statements for, against, and totally unrelated to the post. So who's right? Maybe no one's right. I would rather err on the side of tolerance for my fellow humans than on the side of intolerance. It seems that those who try to stay out of it can end up having it backfire on them. And I got a link in my podcast right up in my blog post to the article. What they found, according to this article, they consistently found that people tend to be more suspicious and less trusting of co-workers, managers, and public figures who decline to take sides than of those who openly express an opinion, even if it's an opinion which they disagree. The factor that is interesting in this article is that they also have some real-life examples. They end the article with the following suggestion. In an increasingly polarized workplace and world, building trust hinges on finding ways to discuss our beliefs and values, even and especially with people who disagree. So if someone asks you for your opinion, be considerate, thoughtful, and respectful, but don't be afraid to take a side. So it seems that to say something might or might not get you in trouble, say what you mean and mean what you say because people are watching. At the same time, there are times when there is no good answer. That's what makes it difficult. Sometimes it's better not to react than to react. This does not mean that you enable others, nor does it mean that you have to use cruelty to make your point. This is where people get confused. With the background in psychology, it was definitely a requirement of the area of study to state things tentatively. The training includes many red marks on papers and rewrites because they keep telling one that there is no absolute. Standardization is king, and I got a huge lecture on messing with a study's questions after they were constructed when in my master's. So as a result, I got used to stating things tentatively. The thing people need to consider is that new information becomes available daily and psychology is not a field that we talk in absolutes. I try to balance the fact that I could be wrong, some information may not be accurate, and it might change somewhat over time. It's not a dithering component to my information. It's an acknowledgement that information can be fallible. Since information comes from people, information can change over time. We've seen it in history with Tudor England. We see it from different perspectives. Women's perspectives on the historical period help to see it from a different viewpoint. To some it is annoying and often I find myself explaining psychological studies because they state something but not with a definite. Sadly, it creates angst with the general public and confusion and misinterpretation of study results. Meanwhile, in business, they tend to state things more specifically and more determinedly. It is quite different to say the information could change with more data than saying, here's data I have, now I'm just going to change it.
The other side of the coin seems to be clearer with the term woke. Interestingly enough, the definition is given as Woke is an adjective derived from African-American vernacular English, A-A-V-E, meaning alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. Beginning in the 2010s, it came to encompass a broader awareness of social inequalities, such as sexism and LGBT rights. Further, among American conservatives and some centrists, Woke has come to be used primarily as an insult. I've got a link in my podcast write-up and in my blog post to the wiki information on that. If you look at it from the left political side, it is seen as a compliment. It seems that the terms are created to appeal to political ideals. Strangely enough, this has created more issues than it has resolved. We now have ambiguous language that makes the terms undeniably used and misused at the same time. As early as 1985, Murray Edelman stated that those who focus specifically political language are chiefly concerned with its capacity to reflect ideology, mystify, and distort. And I got a link in my podcast right up in my blog post to that. When one discusses these political concepts, we are discussing words specifically chosen by political people on whatever side of the argument. Perhaps if we decided to discuss things in a more direct way, we might be able to see the problems more clearly. The personal becomes political and words are changed to be used in whatever way suits the wind directionality in the political sphere. Are they lying? Not really. They are dissembling, which is more concealing one's true motives, feelings, or beliefs, and that's in the Oxford Languages Dictionary meaning, and making it harder to get at the main issues. They can direct the discourse. They can control how people see the situation and polarize us against each other. The major thing that everyone needs to understand is that each one of us has to live with each other in this world, as well as with political decisions. Edelman states that it challenges us to examine the complex link between language and meaning, and simplifying language might not be the only factor. And I got a link in my podcast right up in my blog post to that. The phrase, the personal is political, was popularized by second wave feminism in the late 1960s and was also important in the civil rights movement, student movement, and black power movement. It underscored the connections between personal experience and larger social and political structures. And I got a link in my podcast right up in my blog post to that. Sadly, we are still fighting the same battles within the political sphere that we were fighting for the past 60 plus years and longer. As H.L. McKechn is credited with saying, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorously to be led to safely by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. Is this why things aren't being accomplished in the political sphere? It's up to us to decide. There's a hurricane coming and we need to be ready to make our ideas clear in our own minds or we will continue to be fooled. Whether you agree with me or not, I hope it makes you think. Thanks for listening to my podcast and or reading my blog post, and thanks for your interest in ANJPEI Treasures. Keep watching because we're always working on something. Thank you. Blog posts are available on WordPress and Goodreads. Podcasts are available on Spotify for podcasters, formerly Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, just to name a few. All my ebooks are on Smashwords. You can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thank you for listening or reading. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.